And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Football and Grits, the Athletics SEC podcast. I am your host, David Oven, joined as always on Monday. By Andy Staples. Andy, before we get into it, tough start for Alabama on Saturday. Lose Jalen Waddell. Maybe the best skill position player in the country. What do you make of this for Alabama? Well, it it makes things harder for Alabama against elite teams because Jalen Waddell, I I mean, it became cliche to call him a cheat code, but that's what he was. Every time he touched the ball, there was a chance he was going to score. And, you know, you go back to the Alabama-Georgia game. You know, you take away Jalen Waddell's 90-yard touchdown. How differently does that game play out? Now, granted, one of Alabama's other receivers could have caught that ball. But I don't know that you get the same result. And that's the thing that that we have to pay attention to this season. And it's, it's the same every season. But it feels even more important this season is how many truly special players do you have? How many can you keep healthy through the rest of the season? I think... You know, we saw in other leagues, like Ohio State kept most of their special players, got them to come play. Penn State did not. And it, it makes a difference. And one thing Alabama did is is in a season where a lot of the really special players probably could have just gone into the draft, Alabama didn't have that. Their players mm-hmm. stayed, and they were all playing. And uh, Jalen Waddell, probably the most unique of them in terms of skill set, and they lose him, and it sucks. Um, I'm really glad to hear that it's not going to affect him going forward, that he's going to be able to recover from this and have a good pro career. But it's sad that we don't get to see the end of Jalen Waddell's college career as it, as it should have been. Yeah, that's uh, it was hard to watch. I will say I like seeing the photos of, of Waddell and his teammates smoking a cigar in the back of an ambulance, which is a, a beautiful uh, <laughs> juxtaposition. Also, probably not <laughs> legal. I don't think so. Um, I, I'm also curious to... They have like, oxygen on board. Like, it could have exploded, but I, I get the I get the <laughs> gist of it. I also have a question of, like, when he was in an ambulance with the cigar. I, I have a lot of questions about the about the makings of that photo shoot, but I appreciated the output. Uh, that was a, a great photo. Well, thanks again for tuning in, everybody. Thanks to you guys for subscribing. If you haven't, you should do that. We're here every single weekday. Leave us a review. Leave us a five-star rating. Get the word out. Tell a friend. It helps the show. We've got a full week of content coming on this podcast. And then, of course, if you're an athletic subscriber, you know uh, what to expect for this week. We've got stuff across our college football network and, of course, the rest of our athletic content network and podcast network. If you're not a subscriber, you should change that. Go to theathletic.com backslash grits. You can read Andy's work. You can read my work. Read everyone uh, behind the athletics paywall. And, of course, you can listen to this show ad-free. You can also listen to the Andy Staples show ad-free. Andy uh, talking across all of college football every week. Uh, one of the best shows we have. I've enjoyed 
you and Ari's weekly sparring bets. It started on accident with the mayo, and now it's become a full-fledged thing. I I won one, finally. (laughs) I had Michigan. He had Minnesota. So uh, he says he's incapable, much like I'm incapable of ingesting mayonnaise, he says he's incapable of chugging heavier, darker beer. So he's got to chug one on the show. I'm going to maybe chug one, maybe sip one, just, just, you know, for sympathy's sake. Also, it's going to make my enjoyment of the show just go that much better because I don't have a problem chugging one. He mentioned it was like a fat tire, right? Or you, I, I feel like you got to push. He said fat tire is the one that gets him, or Shimei, or I, I, I'll let him decide what is the most <laughs> painful for him, and and Fair I'll enough. just go buy some. <laughs> that sounds like an entertaining podcast. Uh, well, let's get into this week's awards. Um, the best game. I think there was really only one that was super entertaining. Auburn thirty-five, Ole Miss twenty-eight. Really, the SEC Seth Williams refs show two. Yeah, that was Auburn uh, opponent zero. interesting. <laughs> that was uh, interesting. Let it let it go, and and we'll see how that goes. But here's my question to you, uh, Andy: If Auburn threw it to Seth Williams on every single play, would the offense be better or worse? Better, better. It's everybody <laughs> knows Seth Williams the, is the guy who's going to get most of these, and they still can't stop him. But about fifty percent of the time. So if fifty percent of the time he catches the ball. I think you're in good shape. I, I say do it. Maybe, yeah, maybe I think they you're figured it right. out. <laughs> Eight catches for him, 150 yards, the decisive 58 score or 58 yard score. Uh, just a huge game. I mean, he's fun to watch. I mean, he just contested catches. Where does he rank? You feel like in the last few years in the SEC of guys that can go up and get the ball with two guys hanging on him? Oh, I think he's the best at contested catches, and it's interesting because the league has been so loaded with good wide receivers that I think Seth Williams got a little lost in the shuffle last mm-hmm. year when everybody was talking about Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy and Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. I mean, that that's the thing. There were tons of really good receivers in the league, and Seth Williams, as good as any of them. But the other receivers were playing in dynamic offenses that were playing bigger games. And and so it it just wasn't the same. But now you're seeing with maybe fewer of those elite receivers in the league at the same time, just how good he is. Because really, he could be, if you just made it hand off to Tank Bigsby, throw it up to Seth Williams, that's actually a pretty effective offense. Yeah, I don't know what else is going on there. I I think... Auburn's tough to watch because they have so many really good pieces and you just, they can't really put it all together. I mean, the offensive line is sort of the obvious uh, scapegoat for the offensive struggles, but they they just, they should be better than they are. Um, But uh, they survived Ole Miss, limited Ole Miss, I guess. I guess you could say limited to 28 points. Uh, A small accomplishment there. Uh, Your best team of the week, Andy, which way did you go? Uh, I thought LSU looked fantastic. I thought TJ Finley did great in his first start. Uh, the defense, there's still a little bit to worry about. You know, they, they gave up uh, 10.6 yards per pass to South Carolina. They gave up 5.8 yards per rush to South Carolina. That's not good enough uh, mm-hmm. when you get in a game when the other team's not making as many mistakes as South Carolina was making. So the defense is still not there yet, but the offense looked amazing. And I know they say there's no quarterback controversy and it's Miles Brennan's job when he's healthy. I don't know if that's what should happen. TJ Finley looked awesome. <laughs> he like, did look really and, good. And here's the thing. I, I wouldn't be saying this if he'd done this against Vanderbilt. I'm saying this because I've seen South Carolina's defense play a bunch this year. They have very good players. They, they're usually pretty solid scheme-wise. 
And he looked like he'd been doing this for four years. And I'm just, I think he may be the guy. Now, Brennan's done really well too. So it's a good problem to have. You can go either way. But here's the thing. If Brennan gets hurt again, you know you can go to TJ Finley. If Brennan falters in any way, shape, or form, you've got Finley right there. I think LSU's in good shape because, like I said, the defense needs to fix some stuff. But it wasn't the abject disaster it was against Missouri or Mississippi State. So there is some progress being made. And that tells me by the end of this season, they could be pretty good. Now, can they be pretty good in three weeks? Because that's that's the more important thing. Can you be mm-hmm. that good when you play Alabama? I don't know. But, I mean, if the offense plays like that and they get better on defense, they got a shot. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Alabama LSU might be they might have gone from nine to six to sixty-five to fifty-five. Oh, it's, it's five gonna, years. it might make Alabama Ole Miss <laughs> look like a uh, look like the three-two Auburn Mississippi State game. Yeah, I think so. I uh, I think Mizzou's probably got to get a shout out here. We'll get into them in a second. Uh, but again, yeah, I mean thirty-one ten at the half for LSU. They were they got my vote. They score on offense, defense, special teams. Obviously, huge game for them. Uh, LSU. I, I still you know the defense, like you said. It's an issue. I, I think it's going to limit them from really being um, a threat or a really great team this year. Um, but they're going to be some teams. I mean, just pure talent uh, alone. This isn't going to be the train wreck season that you wondered about early in the year. Uh, but Mizzou, they lead into my best individual performance. Mr. Larry Roundtree, 37 carries. He said he was ready to, he was ready to play again the next day after the game. 126 yards, but 37 carries, Andy. Is this is this 1985 that Missouri has taken us back to? Hey, look, Derrick uh, Henry did that. Strategy. Why not? <laughs> of course, Derrick Henry is a cyborg. That's Hey, they wanted one more carry in the first half for Larry Roundtree. They, they kind of mismanaged the clock there. They could have mm-hmm. been up by more. But you know, I, I, think, I think since they switched to Connor Basilek, on offense, everything else has sort of opened up, and, and Roundtree was their workhorse. He was he was working his butt off already, but now you're starting to see him get a little more traction because the, the holes are bigger, the boxes are lighter because they're a little worried about what Basilet can do. Missouri's a good team. Like mm-hmm. this Missouri Florida game coming up is very intriguing to me. Yeah, I'll say watching Tennessee last night and talking to people. Everybody that has seen Tennessee the last three weeks is looking around wondering, how in the world did Tennessee beat up on Mizzou by three touchdowns? That was because not Connor a particularly didn't start competitive that game. game. It was a different yep. offense. I mean, I, if he starts that game, maybe it's a, a little bit different. Although, I will say Tennessee did control the ball on the ground against Missouri. They really rammed it down mm-hmm. their throats. And when you do that, it's, it's a lot easier to win the game. 
Mm-hmm. Who was your uh, best individual of the week? My best individual of the week was TJ Finley. I, I mean, mm-hmm. first start. This is this is tough to to start your first game like this in this situation, especially with a defense that that tends to give up some stuff. And he did not flinch. He looked like he'd been doing it forever. So I, I'm very excited to see what his career brings. Yeah, I think it's interesting because as a true freshman, like, you know, you hear guys say, well, we, we trust our guys. We have faith in our defense. But as a true freshman, you got to know, I, I might have to score 40 tonight to win this ball game. Yeah. And you might not try to get all 40 of those points on every single throw. He wasn't anything. Like that. Everything exactly. looked very natural. And I got I, I love my man because I lost some weight during the, the COVID lockdown too. He lost 25 pounds. He was 265, and his teammates were clowning him, saying that, that he needs to move to D-tackle. <laughs> and now he's a, a svelte 6'6", 240. And I'm, I'm telling you, the, the kind of person who has that kind of self-discipline is the person you want leading your team. At 18, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, there's no way I could have done that at 18. No, no chance. <laughs> and there's also no chance I could throw the ball like he can. But no, he looked so poised and... and Everything looked so natural and easy to him. And I think that's the the part that was most impressive is, you know, you, you get a lot of times freshman quarterbacks who you can see their physical attributes and see how good their arm is. And but they'll, they'll try to use it. They'll try to fit balls into windows they can't fit them into. And, and look, we know what South Carolina does to quarterbacks who force things. Ask Bo Nix the week before. And mm-hmm. Finley didn't do that. Finley took what the defense gave him and let the talent on that offense shine through. And I think, you know, he, he credited Steve Ensminger, the offensive coordinator with developing a really good game plan to allow him to do that. The thing is though, the freshman doesn't always listen to the game plan. He executed it perfectly. Moving on to our worst team performance. The flip side of your best individual what in the world, South Carolina? Like, what in the world? Like, I know Finley can play and you got all that. But, you know, the, the obviously the offense gives up. And, and Colin Hill, that was one of the worst pick sixes I've seen this it year. Was bad. That was That was bad. The, but then the, offensively, the thing is South Carolina doesn't have bad players. It's yeah, not they like don't. South Carolina should be getting blown out every game. South Carolina should be mm-hmm. in every single game they play. Mm-hmm. But offensively, you only managed 24 against an offense that there are defense that given up 40 plus to, you know, both. And you were moving the ball. You just couldn't put it in the end zone. Yeah. Yeah. What did you make of 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 what happened to South Carolina in a game that I felt like they might be able to steal? I just feel like once they got in the red zone, they couldn't cash in and, and then they got frustrated and, and, and they started forcing stuff. And the other mm-hmm. thing is they they don't. Hill does not move around very well. And, and look, he's had, has he had three ACL tears or two? I, I, I can't remember exactly. Lines, yeah. He had a lot of ACL tears at Colorado State. When you play a team against LSU that can get after the quarterback, he's he's not really the right person there because he is going to get sacked a bunch. And I think that was the problem is they'd move the ball, but then they'd have a negative play and all of a sudden they're in, in terrible down a distance and they couldn't really ever stack good plays on top of one another. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Well, I- I've got a special humanitarian award. Oh, I want to close I, the Can show I give out. you my, my worst team, though? Oh, I yes. Wanna, please give me. Who's your worst team? Some, some really yucky stats from a team that, yes. that dominated last week, but this week, whoo boy. So Kentucky's offense... Eight first downs, five rushing, one passing, two penalties. So thank you, Missouri, for that. That's a good Uh, drive. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, The passing, five of 14 for 50 yards, one TD. Average yards per play, four, which is okay if you're just looking at rushing stats. Not so much when it's the entire offense. Mm -hmm. Uh, it, It was not pretty. It never felt like Kentucky had a chance to win this game. Its defense was playing its butt off, doing everything it could to try to stay in the game. It would. It didn't matter. The, the, this offense gave Kentucky no chance to win the game. Yeah, I was wondering what happened to Kentucky's offensive line in that game because they've made it look, I wouldn't say easy, but they've been able to move the ball, you know, with somewhat frequency, the somewhat a reasonable frequency the last few weeks, and it just disappeared. I, I, I don't know. I, I think, you know. <laughs> In this sort of era, you know, of, of uh, so much time missed uh, missed with, with uh, the COVID pandemic and shutdowns and weird camps, I think we're seeing that these are 18 to 22-year-olds that are not the same on week to week. I mean, we've seen no. this frequently, and I think they're, it's even not more like that exaggerated this season, year. And it's especially going to be yeah. exaggerated this season. Uh, 43-10 time of possession for Missouri in that game. 43 mm-hmm. so, That's what Kentucky good. does to people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Good job, Eli Drinkwitz, recognizing the situation and taking advantage of it. Because, again, it felt the entire time like Missouri was in control. I, mm-hmm. I just think they, they had a really good plan. And once they realized that Kentucky was not going to be capable of moving the ball, uh, Missouri didn't try to do anything crazy. They didn't try to, you know, because remember, Kentucky won a game last week because of a couple of pick sixes. They didn't exactly. get anything like that. There were no gifts. From Missouri, which brings us to your humanitarian award. <laughs> you know, the humanitarian award giving is better than receiving, Andy. I've always said this. You know, these days everybody's looking out for number one, but I wanted to give this award because in a me first society, Tennessee is finding ways to give back. And I think that, you know, as we go into the holiday season, this is the kind of thing that we need in the world. You know, we've got a, an election cycle, we've got all these things, everybody's sniping at each other. Tennessee in the last 10 quarters, has scored a mere three touchdowns, which is is not great. 
but they've allowed defenses to score four touchdowns on them, uh, including one at the very start of the second half against Alabama on Saturday. And I just think watching that, it was it was really touching that, you know, be the change you want to see in the world. And Tennessee has embraced that. And so I wanted to They're give them paying the it forward this week. <laughs> yeah, something along those lines. I think so. What do you make of the Vols' uh, malaise? Uh, really on both sides of the ball, but it's, it's an offensive problem right now, the last three well, weeks. This was going to happen against Alabama. You, you knew that. This was going to happen against Georgia. So really the, the outlier here is Kentucky. It's the two pick sixes, and then everything just fell apart, and the defense couldn't get Kentucky's offense off the field. And that's the more troubling thing. I, I don't care that you lost to, to Alabama by that much. I, I expect you to lose to Alabama by that much. Now, when Jeremy Pruitt says the talent gap is closing, I don't believe him for a second. It, it's not. It's it's where it's always been. And I just think that they've got to figure out how to avoid these just crippling mistakes because it's not going to help you probably against Alabama or Georgia. Because, hey, remember, Georgia made one of those mistakes against Tennessee to give them a touchdown. Didn't help Didn't Tennessee matter. very much. <laughs> yeah. So... But it's not going to matter against Georgia or t- uh, against Georgia or Alabama. It is going to matter, though, against almost every other team on your schedule. If you don't hand them seven points, if you don't hand them 14 points, then you've got a chance. And so I, I realize that the fan base at this point is checking out on Jeremy Pruitt, which is amazing because they checked out on him last year and then, and then got back on board. So uh, maybe he can get him back again. But... They, they have an open week this week. They can enjoy Halloween, go trick-or-treating, all that good stuff. And then they get to play Arkansas, which is not the, uh, the guaranteed win that it looked like at the beginning of the season. That, uh, Arkansas, if they play the way they have the last few weeks, now we'll see what they do against Texas A&M, mm-hmm. but if they play the way they did against Ole Miss or, or Auburn or Mississippi State, they will beat Tennessee. So that's this the part like Tennessee the needs to worry thing. about. Yeah, this feels like the closest thing to a must-win game in the Jeremy Pruitt era. Uh, because if you win it, you know, I don't know that you accomplish much. You sort of right the ship a bit. But if you lose it, everything's on fire. But going back to, to the Georgia and Alabama, I don't disagree with you that you expect these losses to come. But in year three, isn't that in itself a problem that the expectations have not really changed in big games like these? That you're walking well, into no, a game at home changed. as a three-touchdown underdog? They've changed among the Tennessee fan base. I mean, you heard that dude rapping before the game. <laughs> He told you boys that, that Tennessee boys were from the South, not realizing that Alabama is actually from a lower line of latitude than Tennessee is. But that well, is whatever. true, actually. We're, geography, we're geography break. Yeah. So, no, I, I mean, the fan base thinks they have a chance. It's just everybody else who's paying attention doesn't think they have a chance. So I, I don't know. I mean, worry about beating Florida first. Then you can worry about beating Alabama and Georgia. Like, but it's not even about a, the winning. It's about the don't get embarrassed. That's the issue. And they, like I said, I wrote last night, uh, you know, they're 0-8 against Alabama, Georgia, Florida. They haven't come within 22 points one time in any of those games. That It's not about winning these games. It's about can you get to where it's at least somewhat competitive. The Georgia game and somewhat the Alabama game, but Tua got hurt, so I don't know if you can really count that. The Georgia game was the only one this year where it was kind of competitive, and then they hit the sl- the self destruct button with a sledgehammer and and coughed it up. I I just uh, I mean that's not pretty, and it's I don't it's, think uh, anything changes the way until the, program the quarterback is going. situation changes. Yeah, they have the opposite of the LSU quarterback problem, where they have zero answers, whereas LSU seems to have a couple. Uh, yeah, I, I think 
once Tennessee gets that part figured out, it could look different. But right now, defenses know exactly what to do against Tennessee. They, they know how to play them because you know what you're going to get from them every single mm-hmm. time. So it, it puts a lot of pressure on Tennessee's defense, especially when Tennessee's offense is handing the other team's points. So I, I don't really know what else you do if you don't feel like any of your other quarterbacks are capable right now. Mm-hmm. And I, I still think about, you know, for those of you who are not subscribers, you should become subscribers. But I went and spent the week with Chattanooga's staff last year when they were preparing for Tennessee. And, and one of the things that they said when they were looking over the Tennessee tape is it's easy to see why teams that have comparable talents to Tennessee beat them because they show you everything that they're going to do. They, you know what they're going to do. And spending a week and watching tape of those coaches now, when I watch Tennessee's offense, and more so on offense and defense, I pretty much know what they're going to do. I'm not a football coach. And it seems to me that that predictability um, is a problem in some of these games. And it well, sort of it's has It's interesting been. because you've got Jeremy Pruitt who came from Alabama. you got Jim Chaney who was at Georgia. who were They were coaching teams that had better talent than almost everyone they played. And you know when, when you can show people what you're going to do? When you have better players than them. Yeah. Because yeah, Chaney, all you have to Chaney, do is It seems like he's calling plays like he's still at Georgia. Like he's got guys that can just beat up on people. Yeah, you don't you don't have Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. not you don't have that offensive line, even though you have one former George offensive line. Yeah. Well, that will do it for the Monday edition of Football and Grits. Thank you guys for tuning in again. Subscribe, rate, review, uh, and you know, tell a friend. Uh, if you're not a subscriber to the Athletic, you should change that. Listen to the Andy Staples show as well, and we'll be here all week. Uh, getting ready for the week ahead in the SEC. So thank you guys for tuning in. We'll see you again tomorrow. Aaron Settles will be here answering your questions. And then, of course, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, make sure to subscribe and make us a part of your daily commute. So thanks again. We'll see you guys again tomorrow.